That's all right, Arella. All right. Well, here we are. Um, here we go. We were, just, we were just talking about Sirius Radio and how I used to call up every single year and say that it was too expensive and they would give me the introductory offer. Let the people know. Themselves the fuck off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, as of Thursday, according to the internet, Bud Light has lost $6 billion. Holy shit. But I wonder what they were worth before. Not that it was a drop in the well. You know, for them, it must be pocket change. Was Anheuser-Busch worth? I saw lots of pictures online where people were taking a slow video of the beer section. And to the left, to the <laughs> left, that right as well. of Bud Light. Yeah, left and right of Bud Light was totally sold out. And then Bud Light, Budweiser was fully stocked. It looked like yeah, no box that. was missing. And I didn't think it was true at first. So we did a, a decent sized shopping last week at one of the Seabrook locations is Walmart. And they have liquor, they got everything in there. And you're walking down the aisle, dude, no lie. Like you see like where Miller High Life is. Miller Light is completely sold out. Then you can get right to the middle section where there's Budweiser and Bud Light and like the Bud Light limes and all that shit completely fully stocked. It's like nobody even wants to touch them. I would have loved to have seen that. I was thinking about going to do a scouting trip just to see if I could catch a glimpse of that. Um, on USA Today, the head of Anheuser-Busch has responded to the uproar over the beer brand's recent collab with transgender social media influencer, noting that the company aims to bring people together over a beer. He says, we never intended to be part of a discussion that divides people. Moving forward, I will continue to work tirelessly to bring great beers to consumers across our nation. All right. I get that you want to bring people together over a beer, but your beer still sucks. Imagine his statement should have been, "Come on, guys, <laughs> drink up! <laughs> Come on, next month we're sponsoring a tractor pull. Come on!" <laughs> <laughs> Come on, next year, next next month spokesperson is going to be NASCAR driver X and Y. Here you go. How about this? I'll take the rice out of it. We'll steam it and put it next to a steak. Well, that makes like, you come happy. on. They're like, come on. We put lime in it. Somebody, <laughs> somebody was telling me that Bud Light actually owns Corona and Modelo. They own a lot of beers, including. Um, Holy shit! I never knew that either. Including Shock Top. Yeah, I've uh, I've been I've been to the Merrimack um, facility, and let me tell you. The people that take that tour, they're bud drinkers. Yeah. What about um, Blue Moon? Is that a Miller product, or did Bud Light fold that up too? Um, hang on a second. I'm looking that up right now. I hope. I gotta say, I I do love a good shock top though. Shock top slice of orange in the summer. It's pretty good. Yeah. Well, it's another drink that like you look for, and it's cold, and it's a hot day outside. Exactly. Oh, exactly. I think if that thing warms up to room temperature, we'd be taking a different uh, story on it. One hundred percent. The Anheuser Busch website, their the our beers: Budweiser, Bud Light, Kona Brewing, which I like. Kona, Michelob Ultra, Stella Artois, Estrella Jalisco. Oh man! Beer, Natural Light, Landshack, Presidente, Ho Garden, Shock Top. Then their craft partners: Ten Barrel Brewing. Appalachian Mountain Brewery, Blue Point, Breckenridge Brewery, 
Cisco Brewers Nantucket, Devil's Backbone, Elysian Brewing, Four Peaks, Golden Road, Goose Island, Red Hook, Platform, Virtual, uh-huh. Cider, Carbach, Omission, Vesa Sur, Widmer Brothers, Wicked Weed, and Winwood. See, I think like a lot of Monopoly those, going on over there. I thought that was I illegal. A, I think a lot of those uh, brewers, like in Everett and in Massachusetts, they have night shift brewing with the, you know, they have the owl on the I can. Mm-hmm. And they were a small brewery in Everett, and they announced that they had to basically stop brewing in Everett, and they had to go ahead and go with like a conglomerate to do their brewing. And they actually like, stopped brewing there and the, some of the people over there lost their jobs i was kind of disappointed in that yeah they had some pretty good yeah. stuff we used to live right down the street from there and then when that happened we were talking to a bunch of the guys that worked there and they said it's too expensive for them to get the the gas or the nitrous whatever it is that they use that they needed yep. too expensive to get the product so they're selling their production outright and that yeah. former tap room is just going to be in and just order beers but all they're doing is it's just going to be drafts it's not nothing's going to be freshly made there it was, a, it was a bit of a change but it's still busy it's still a decently busy place though have you ever i mean they, it's what's that beer works notch no never been there dude they give you you know in thor when uh in thor ragnarok when dr strange gives him the giant beer mug mm-hmm. they got those Oh, you go, in, you go in, you order a beer, you order a pretzel. I, w- I went there one night, drank the whole fucking thing. I was going out to dinner. I didn't need to order a drink at the restaurant. I was staggering down the street. That sounds like <laughs> a fun time. Oh, yeah. I love going to those places. It's in it's Salem? Ipswich near you. Yeah, it's in yeah, Salem. We got a, we, yeah, we got a two up here. We got a Ipswich Ale Brewery. Yep, and there. we have uh, True North. And True North right now is pretty cool. They actually have... Every day of the week, they have different local food trucks park outside. You can, you can walk right outside to the deck and order from whatever that food truck of the day is. Sometimes it's the Big Pig Barbecue, amazing uh, barbecue. Otherwise, it'll be like a, uh, a taco joint or like a little burger truck. Pretty cool option. Something different. It's something I want to do. Now that I, um, I've perfected smoking, I want to get a food truck going. And in the next five years, I want to have a restaurant. Ah, I like that plan. Dude, you've had my food. You know it. Yeah, very good stuff. Very, actually, very good stuff. Haverhill, we have the Tap Brewing Company, and it's actually really good. I there, um, that last 70-degree day we had in November, I was eating outside. <laughs> I love eating outside. Having a nice ice-cold beer, something eats it outside on the deck or something. Love it. Yeah. Last night, we went to uh, T-Bones up in Salem. Mm-hmm. Um, waitress, the waitress was brand new, brand new and shy. I ordered a Sam Summer, and she goes, what, 16, 22? I said, 16, comes back with a 22-ounce beer, and I knew right then shit was going downhill. <laughs> she, Her manager came over and apologized. She waited 25 minutes to put the food order in. So she offered to comp our meal. My wife and me were like, no, no, it's fine. You know, whatever. But we will mm-hmm. have to put our dessert orders in now. This girl brings the desserts. Our food was done at that point. She brought the desserts first, and my wife goes, no, that was supposed to come out after the dinner. Oh, that's yeah, that's ready. It's like, whoa. The desserts came before the dinner. That's something I never even experienced. Wow. This girl was a bit of a bit dopey, and she wrote a note <laughs> receipt. It's like, Thank you. Hope something good happens to you today. I'm like, hope you trip over your shoelaces. 
<laughs> so, you know, I often have this thought, and I it was one of the things I wrote down. Can you imagine with the way that everybody is these days? They don't want to do anything. They don't want to work. They don't want. To, they want. You know, I have a relative who is three years younger than us. Um, dyes her hair blue. You know, one of them people. Mm-hmm. And uh, she literally refuses to go to work. Says that she's got that mindset that she needs to be taken care of by uh, a socialist Wait, little, little person. Then. So I want. I wonder if we took people like her back to biblical. You your friends that, and you put them in. Basically, you you go back in time, and you can only and you can farm your own land, raise your own animals, and you can only have a that you can defend with a sword. Do you think that they could handle it? They would never survive. Never survive. Because first of all, you have to learn how to plant food. You have to actually work. You've got to manage to keep your animals alive and you cannot grow attached to them. And you've got to learn how to fence. Build a fence and sword fight with a uh, fencing with a sword. Do you think they'd handle it? So you, Nick, you don't think they'd survive? Not a chance. No, I I would say 1% chance. I give them that sole 1%. No, I mean, back in medieval times, the landowner would would rent the land out to the families, to the people who wanted to farm the land. They would tax them, and they would expect part of their crops. I mean, they barely even had enough to survive on, pay rent. They had no chance of anything. Now, today, people can go out there and do any job they like, and people don't do it. They don't take those chances. No, they don't. And what, what the thing is, like, I keep having this argument with my um, with my mom, of all people, because my mother is, um, <clears throat> shall we say, ill-informed. You know, she's she's, she's uh, she waves the blue flag, <laughs> and she's like, well, I don't know why, you know, so and so keeps getting blamed for the inflation. And I'm like, it's it's a it's a combination of things. It's these idiots that work Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks, bagging groceries. They work the, the jobs that we did for five, six, seven dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. Those instilled in us a sense that these jobs suck and we need to do something better with our lives. Mm-hmm. These, these fucking mooks, they want 15, 20 dollars an hour to push a fucking button and still get the coffee order wrong. And they don't. It's it's like they don't see that that Dunkin' Donuts job is just just for now, just to get through high school, maybe just to get through your first year of college, if you choose mm-hmm. to, go to or a trade school and learn to do something worthwhile with your life. And I read that uh, most kids today, the 18, 19, 20 year olds, they don't want to get up for a 6 a.m. stat job. They want it to start at nine, maybe 10. And it's like, what world do you live in where that's acceptable? Why do you want to be better. late? It's better to get up early and go to work than you have the day afterwards. If you get up at nine, exactly. by the time you get home, the whole day is done. By six o'clock, seven o'clock, so, you know, mm-hmm. some of these months, it's dark out. I mean, I think I'd rather go to work early in the dark and come home in the sunlight. Absolutely. Absolutely. Last few days have been beautiful for me. I get up, it's nice and warm, sun's starting to rise, mm-hmm. you know. I got the grill all primed and ready for the season yesterday. Took advantage of that opportunity. There you go. At Home Depot. You know what's funny, though? When we were younger and we did those jobs, we thought, like, oh, this job is a pain. 
But then you go ahead and you get a job, like a real job in a factory or a trade, and you realize this is real work. This this is really terrible. And you realize, like, when you were working at a restaurant, you were making hamburgers or whatever, you were, like, you were talking to your friends. You didn't have any pressure. You didn't have to do anything. So, mm-hmm. like, you gotta get the, You have to get those jobs. Stop paying into Social Security. Everyone should pay into Social Security because someday I'm going to need it. And they have to pay it now for me. Nick and I used exactly. to work up. And if you remember the, the these months, the, the uh, spring, summer months, when we get out of work at midnight, it was beautiful out. Mm-hmm. We'd fire up the grill. Everybody would show up. But on Saturday nights, we'd have to listen. We'd listen to BCN and we'd just crank it because the store was empty. Yeah. Those those were the days, though. I do miss those. You know, we'd go to my house. We put the drums in the backyard. We'd set the guitars up, and we just fucking rock. <laughs> Nobody stopped us. They were wonderful. Well, nowadays, the you know the generation of workers that are really ready for retirement, they don't even want to retire. That's what's crazy. They don't mm-hmm. want to retire. They want to keep working. They're like, oh, I'm seventy, but I could still get here and work. It's like Jesus, I, I think you should retire. My dad was forced to retire, and he fucking hates it. I think uh, his social security check is only two grand a month, and this is coming. And he's used to, you know, he was making like five, six grand a month when he was working. I mean, the man, yeah, he was an in-demand fella. You know, he drove everything on wheels on tracks. They needed him at his company, and then he got hurt, and workman's comp was ping-ponging him back and forth. I was like, oh, you know, you've had these injuries forever. And he's like, no, I did this at work. And I remember because I had to take him to, I had to take days off work to take him back and forth. And like, his English. So I had to interpret an Italian for him. You know, here's what they're saying about you. Here's what he's saying, yada, yada, yada. And, and it's just, it fucked him. I mean, he's 70, 74, I want to say. And he, want, he still wants to go back to work. But he's, you know, now he's at a point where he's just falling apart. He's held together with like thumbtacks and scotch tape. Like we're we're in our late thirties and you have to work on your hobbies, you have to work on, you know, finding some people to talk about things, do things with and mm-hmm. because you know what? In another forty years we're gonna be at retirement age and you're gonna say, Hey, well, I have this hobby, I have that hobby, I'm going to do this, I'm gonna go see these people. Hey, let's meet up, let's do this. Right. And you know, you know, some of the old folks used to go meet at it at McDonald's in the morning. You remember? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah, they still do. You know, my, my mother used to drag us to the mall when we had school off because she didn't want us hanging around the house. And the old people would be doing their laps around the mall at like seven a.m. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Everything just sucks. Even health insurance sucks. Like <clears throat> I had to let that job go that I was going to take because they weren't giving me day one insurance. My wife has health issues that require day one insurance. Like this, it's stupid. I want to know. I want to know who decided that eye care and dental care is not part of health. Like if you if you can't see and your teeth aren't taken care of, but you could still be healthy, don't you worry about that. (laughs) Well, fucked up teeth can lead to heart disease, or the plaque on the teeth can lead to heart disease. So Mm -hmm. yeah, those fixed up. But I floss and brush daily. It's kind of funny when I go to floss and my beard's extra bushy. I often floss a hair into my teeth and I got to get that out. <laughs> Horrifying. <laughs> well, good for you because I'm sure a lot of people with beards don't even floss. No, they just let the food fall in for later. 
see that. I see there was a guy driving up my street, and uh, he was on a motorcycle, and he had this Gandalf beard. And I'm like, there's a lot of flies in that now. <laughs> oh my god, you're right. So remember uh, a couple of years ago, they said that like people with beards, like the hygienic, like the it was like they said it was really disgusting. Was that a ploy to make people shave their beards? I wouldn't say that because when I um. I'm going to say like 10 years back when I was new to the trade, there was an HVAC uh, tech that was on my site and he had this red bushy beard, Coke bottle glasses. He he just looked dirty, right? He looked like bubbles who grew a beard from trailer park boys. And he stunk like food. And I was, then I was watching him eat one day. Like, I'm not even kidding. I wish I was exaggerating. I was watching him eat. And it was, it was literally like his beard was going into his mouth with his food. He was just getting, it was getting all over him and he's doing it while he's working. Then he went out and had a cigarette. Didn't even bother getting the crumbs out of his beard. So I can only imagine what the hell's trapped in that fucking thing. Fucking horrendous. Hygiene's important. You know, you need to comb the beard. You need to wash the beard. You must Mm -hmm. have a beard. I have a fine beard. I sense a YouTube video coming upon us. No, no. (laughs) You know who's how do you apply? How do you apply beard oil? I always see that that's a popular item in the stores now. Well, I put on gloves, rubber gloves, and I put a few squirts of beard oil in. And I rub my hands like so, and then I just massage it into the beard, and it helps because the thing with the beard is you get dry skin, and if you go mm-hmm. to scratch, very true, a black shirt, you get an unholy amount of like fucking dandruff. It's it's fucking gross. I don't like having a beard. My wife does. She says I don't have a chin. <laughs> I know. I know what she means. I used to have a huge beard. Cut it down like I like this length now. Then about a month and a half ago, two months ago, I was like, you know what? I haven't seen my face clearly in a while. And I shaved my entire beard. It was fucking smooth as a baby's ass. I'm like, where the fuck is my chin? Like, what the fuck happened? So well, ever since then, a, like. That's a major remember, dad right? move. All of a sudden, you come out of the bathroom and everyone's looking at you and you look timid. You're like, it'll grow back. And the baby was just like, and the baby's look was just like, (laughs) like, who the fuck is that guy? I remember my dad shaved his mustache once. I was like, whoa, grow that back. Yeah. You know, my dad has a mustache. That generation, man, with this singular mustache. (laughs) My dad's got one too. Yeah, he does. He's got a handlebar. Yeah. Yeah. The mustache is the most annoying part of a beard. It's like, you, that's the part you'd want to shave off. The stuff on your chin is is manageable. What yeah. I don't understand is why it's coming back to the young people. I go to the gym now, and you got these fucking goofs with mustaches. Mm-hmm. They're like baby. They look like Rod and Todd grew mustaches, and they're wearing these the, the 1980s Larry Bird fucking basketball shorts. You know the short ones with one false move and you. And I'm like, I'm looking at him, and I think I texted Matt one day. I'm like, yo, what's up with these mustaches? And he's, they're all pedos. <laughs> I, I think I think uh, the mustache is the first thing you can grow well. So they're just like, they're trying to get ready for the whole beard to come in. Cause I, go, I think I first shaved my mustache at like, what, 13, 14 or something? I did it at 16, and my father's like, why'd you do that? Like, I don't know. Yeah, and ever since then, it just started coming in like crazy. Yeah, I, I the minute I started shaving around 15, 16, like I, I continue. I had a beard. I I had a beard. And I oh, look who just arrived! Look, well, look hey, at this! Hey, just in time for lunch. Good morning. <laughs> you look lost. 
Hey, thanks for dropping in. Yeah, we're talking about right now. We're talking about how, for some reason, you can't grow a mustache. We're trying to figure out why this is going on. Yeah, why are you so baby faced? <laughs> you shaved white. Hmm? You're blonde. How do you have any kind of shadow? Oh, good for you. I, I kind of only shave like maybe two or three times a week. I just let the stubble grow to the point where it's worth shaving and then I shave it. I shave once Yeah, a I just trim my beard up. I clean it up. That's my Saturday morning ritual. Every Saturday morning, clean up my beard. I shave my head and just let it go for a week. So the, the shaving of the head lasts a week? I, I'm curious about that. Do you have to shave it every uh, day? What I do is I have one of those um, like electric raises it's like they call it you put it in your hands like this and you just go back and forth real quick yeah i'll do that two to three times a week but this this time like especially during the winter like i won't shave for like two weeks three weeks and just really not give a shit about it but i i hate missing i what's what's the word i hate not having hair like i miss my hair so much why don't you get uh hair transplants <clears throat> don't they use doll hairs <laughs> no, there's this there's this thing like uh we're gonna be talking about in a little while with Metallica, Kirk Hammond, the lead guitarist. He had this procedure where he grows his hair up, but he doesn't have hair on the top like I don't, and he has it. It's not it's not necessarily a plug, it's another word for a plug. You I'm would gonna... never know that he's completely bald on top. You would never know. I don't know. <laughs> I think you're doing the right thing. Just you know, shave it down, get it uh, short hair. Grow a beard, if, a if, beard, and then comb it if over. If you don't, if just, you just, if you just trim it down with buzzers all the way, and you like have a beard, do, do they call that like the power donut? <laughs> <laughs> right now, it's weird. It's like I got a spot in the middle of the back of my head, but I still got hair in the front and the back and everything. It's just this little spot. Ever since that little spot came up, I'm like, you know what? It's all going. So, ever since that, I've been shaving my head. I... All right? Am I all set? Think you'd be good for a while. Uh, no, I see something there. He's got I don't know why you have a rat tail on the back of your head, but uh, we'll we'll save that conversation for another day. Do I pass though? I mean, I'm okay. I was born with. <laughs> Joe, so yes. last couple of weeks we've kind of uh, we kind of glossed over the whiskey. So you were drinking Johnny Walker Black last night? Yeah, I had a uh, double. That was enough. Very nice. I'm on the website because I don't remember what it's supposed to smell like. So, a bold scent of fruits with a touch of sweet vanilla. That's the nose. The taste, creamy toffee, sweet fruit, and spice roll over the tongue. Finish, warming, smoky finish. It's, it's a smoky scotch, but more than just the scotch, it's... It's not the strongest one out there. It's 40% alcohol by volume. But it's just so many times. Have you been at an event or you've been somewhere, like a function or a Christmas party, and you've just gone up to the bar and you've ordered a Johnny Black Neat? And it's just, it's the perfect order, you know? Huh. It's, better than, it's better than a Jameson. And sometimes they don't have the kind of bourbon you want. You can go up to a bar or, let's say, a Christmas party and, they have Jim Bean, and you're looking at everything else. You're like, well, 
yeah, I'm going to take the Johnny Black. Like, I'm not going to take Jim Bean over that. Johnny Johnny Black has gone has become my go-to for wherever I go. It's so good. I love the taste. I, for me, I don't smell the I don't taste the toffee, but I do get that nice sweet like a spicy sweet candy flavor. I wouldn't say toffee, but the the nose for me is vanilla for sure. And I remember when I first opened it, I got my wife over and I'm like, "Hey, smell this." She's like, "What'd you do?" She thought I was uh, trying to crop, trying to give her a bit of the old Dutch oven above the sheets. Like, smell the glass. She goes, no, I don't want to. Like, it it is good. it is the best blended scotch that I've ever had. And it's always going to be in my house. It's going to be next to the sardines and the olive oil. All the stuff you got to have. I don't need to have sardines. <laughs> well, I guess if you're a spam man, you go with spam. But still, you no, got to have this. My, uh, next to my whey protein. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? That might make a hell of a mudslide. And, and my own version. Johnny Walker Black and um, Cocoa Pebbles Ice Away. <laughs> Didn't Arnold Schwarzenegger do a video about how he was making a protein shake and he added schnapps? Yeah. Uh, hefty pouring of schnapps, too. Yeah. Really? I don't know. But yeah. I don't know if he was serious. You know, it was a pretty funny video. I'm sure he drinks that every now and again. But I know. It was funny. Like I, After he made it, he mixed it around. He put it in the blender. He fucking suck that thing down to like 10 seconds flat so i know i guess I you know. get i guess you get sick of protein shakes after a while but like if you add a bit of schnapps in them something maybe you'd be like hey i'm looking forward to this thing <laughs> good. i mean the ones that i go for the like the really the zero fat low carb ones they taste they taste good you know they don't mm-hmm. have, anything that's good for you doesn't taste good usually yes yes they do Thank you for that <laughs> drop in. <laughs> you know, I. One time. You know, I had, I had, um, remember, remember, Joe, I don't think you knew this. I, I think we talked about this. But uh, Nick, the uh, the cannonball, cannon blast, Captain Morgan's. Mm-hmm. Remember when they had the pumpkin one for fall? Yes, I do. I, I poured do. that into a chocolate protein shake once and it was fucking good. <laughs> That's just like rum, but there's probably a lot of sugar in that, right? Probably. Those were good, though. You could drink the Cannon Blast straight. The original was so good. With a little bit of lemon in it. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I don't think they make that anymore. They discontinued. So they discontinued the Metallica Enternite Pilsner. Because I was looking for that the other day. And I think they've discontinued Cannon Blast. Because I can't find that anywhere. Hmm. Wow. That but that Metallica Pilsner that was very good. I was, I was very like pleasantly surprised by drinking that. Yeah, I went I went on a little trip uh, at one point trying all the Rockstar brands, and I, mm-hmm. like, I think it was an ACDC. They have theirs, I think. Yeah, they have an ACDC yep. one that didn't taste good. The Iron Maiden Trooper did not taste good, but the Megadeth. I was just gonna say Megadeth. Yep, that was good. It's still it's still out and about. I like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Who makes that? I'm gonna Google it. Let's see. I haven't tried any of those. That's yeah, a, a Toot Limon beer. Well, it's stuff that song. That's a good song too. I like that song. Very good song. Very underrated song. I'm not a big fan of Megadeth, but they do have some songs that are great. Mm-hmm. I agree. Dry hop, golden saison. Uh, uh, 
and they have it at the um store down the street from me. They also I have these guys used to carry all the fucking little gimmicky beers. The only thing they got now is Iron, the Iron Maiden Trooper, but they didn't. They had um, Stone Cold's Broken Skull, and now they don't. So they just came out with the Broken Skull American Lager. Very good stuff. Is it really good? I think it's made by uh, what is it? El Segundo Brewing. Does that sound right? Uh, let's find out. I think it's El Segundo. I think. Now he partnered with them, and he's involved in the making of that beer. Yeah, he he owns fifty percent, and the brewing company, whatever Kyle's looking up now, owns the other fifty percent. And it used to just be like a Texas region beer. Then he proceeded to go out to like California and stuff, and it got so big and so popular, obviously because of his name and his name only, that it just blew up nationwide. Now, You're okay. I haven't I haven't tried that. I'd like to try. Oh, it so it was El Segundo, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I want to try it. So, I've seen it. So, but I was, I was so on the what is it? So, what is it called? That the way we can get it. El Segundo uh, Brewing. It's Broken Skull IPA and Broken Skull American Lager. Yeah, he's got an American Lager, a double IPA, India Pale Ale, and then the Three Sixteen, which is also another IPA. I like IPAs. I'll drink them. Yeah, I wouldn't mind it. Beer's fun. I mean, I was drinking a Miller High Life the other day, and I was actually sitting to myself. Friday, I got home from work. I drank one. I'm like, this was good yesterday. <laughs> mm-hmm. it yeah. Good. It was a good Friday. I don't know. I, I, I was in the mood. I had that cigar that stayed in my mouth for two days, too. It was a nasty yeah. <clears throat> I've got I've got some summer scotch that I'm going to drink. The uh, Kirkland Signature Blended. Scotch whiskey, which is basically twenty dollars for a handle, and I've been working my way through that with a couple of ice cubes. And if you know anything now, I don't really put ice into it. So, uh, but hey, you know what the hell? I I give it a I give it a shot. It's not great, but I, what's that? What the hell? Matt's probably ready. probably not. No. Well, speaking of summer, I think one of the future episodes should be an outside episode where we're all drinking, grilling, smoking a cigar, and just shooting the shit all together in the same room for the first time. Maybe, I think that would be pretty cool. Like on beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see that thing I sent you on Instagram this morning? The new movie those guys got coming out? The Medieval. No, movie. I missed it. Oh, it looks so funny. So what's everybody Matt, what's everybody beverageizing right now? I have some uh this coffee, it's called Devil Mountain Coffee, black label. It's a high test coffee. High test as in high caffeine or put some light in the pencil. <laughs> high caffeine. Oh. My wife got it for me at Walmart. It has a little devil face on it. Wow. Pretty good. This Pretty guy. good. I uh, end up taking the advice of Mr. Matthew here and got Kirkland Signature Brand Coffee. Very good. Very, very good. Which one did you get? The French Roast? The French Roast Kirkland Signature. Yep. Very pleasantly yeah. surprised. My wife, I made just a small cup this morning. My wife said, oh, that smells really good. So I, mean, I actually made a whole pot of it. About seven inches of that pot. So there's only one couple ups in that pot. That's how good it is. Yeah, it is good. It's- Ah, good stuff. I'm drinking an Arctic Snow Cone C4 Energy. 
don't coffee for Carl today. Nope. You said you said you would have coffee, but you just decided not to. No, fuck <laughs> I don't want coffee. Well, you can't beat some of that stuff at Costco. It's pretty good stuff, and yeah. So you gr- so you had to grind the beans, right? Yes. You ran them yeah, that- truck, didn't you? <laughs> huh? <laughs> Go ahead. What do you do? Would he grind them up with his hole saw or something? <laughs> yeah, I got a sawzar on the back. I was doing one bean at a time. <laughs> you got to cut them in half and then go into quarters. <laughs> yep, then that. <laughs> Put them in the old pepper mill and grind them up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so we were talking about doing this. Motley Crue versus Mick Mars. I'm Team Mick. How about you, Nick? Uh, after seeing all the evidence, after seeing and listening to uh, a bunch of soundboard audio from Mick Marr, what he has in his earpieces, I listened to a couple full concerts, and I am 100% on Mick Marr's side. He plays live. Granted, it's not as phenomenal as it used to be, but I believe he is the only one in the entire group playing live. Not playing to a tape, but all he listens to in his ear, he has very faint drums, very faint vocals, and he has a click track playing in the background. So that proves that he, in fact, is playing live and still fairly playing at a fairly decent level. Yeah, I feel bad for what they're doing to him. I mean, he didn't say he was leaving the band. He just said he was retiring from full-time touring because he's 100 exactly. years old. Exactly. He's literally yep. I mean, <laughs> close enough anyway. Yeah, I think, he's like, I think he's 76, 77 maybe. Like, he's done his time. like. Obviously, everybody knows about the disease he has and how it's very tough for him to stand and play, let alone carrying 10 pounds around his neck playing a concert for two hours. And I think he made the right decision of retiring from touring. And I think he, what he was told was that if they make a new album, he'll be part of the album, not just kicked out of the band completely. But after seeing everything that's going on, it's safe to say that they kicked him out of the band. Well, I read an article last week with... um... They, uh, the bassist that Ozzy had in the 80s, uh, Bob Daisley. Mm-hmm. Oh, excuse me. Um, i going to edit that part out. Um, he, he would go on the bus. Mick didn't want to be around the guys because he's about 10 years older than all of them. So he was already 30 when they formed the band, and they were like 18, 19 years old. Yep. So, you know, we're, we're at that age. We don't want to be around young people like that. Well, they're annoying as shit. Mm-hmm. Plus, they were... They were you know, Tom, I bet Tommy Lee is exhausting to be around. He seems oh, absolutely like in the knees with a baseball bat to slow him down. Mm-hmm. And uh, he Mick went on Ozzy's bus, and Daisley went on the Motley Crue bus. And I guess Nikki Six and Tommy Lee, according to the story, were like, "Hey, we want to get rid of Mick." They didn't provide a reason, which I can only assume is because he was the old guy in the band at that point because this was like mid 80s so he had to have been like 37 38 maybe even 40 and yeah bob daisley said you guys get rid of mick you lose your sound that guy is motley crew not fucking screeching vince neal not fucking root notes um nikki six and not four on the floor fucking tommy none of those guys are remarkable mm-hmm. without mick mars he is their sound he is their he he's one of the few guitarists that I can say, you know it's him playing, but mm-hmm. it's not the five finger death punch syndrome where every solo sounds the same, you know. Like you you know you knew it was Eddie Van Halen when he played. I, he was great. 
but you knew it was him because the solos never really deviated. You mm-hmm. knew it was um, Randy Rhodes because his solos were kind of the same too. People can sit there and go, these guys are mm-hmm. guitar gods. But to me, if your solos are the same fucking notes and scales for every song, you ain't that great. You're not impressing me. I'm a guitar player too. Not the best, but I'm fucking, I've got an ear and I can pick out one trick ponies. And the same is mm-hmm. for John five. He's really good technically, but he's got no feeling. He's got no soul. So they put him in, they put him in Motley Crue. He is just copying Mick Mars's parts. If they're, if he's even playing now that they, they've come out with the tape. So yeah. he could be miming too. They're like, Hey, you're awesome. But we need to have this Motley Crue song. Unless he makes his own solos and improvises. I mean, that's the one thing you can say about Hammett. He might have forgotten how to play his solos, so that's why he improvises. <laughs> but he plays with mistakes and all. Warts yeah, and but all. you gotta say though, seeing like Metallica live, seeing Kirk Hammett live is there's nothing else like that. Like they blow everybody else out of the water. And I think it's an absolute shame. Like it's even going on with KISS now. They admit it to it though. They play with backing tracks, their guitars are played through the amps, they're just Going along, just playing the part. I think Kiss doesn't even. I don't think they. I don't think they play anything at all live. I think all of it's backing tracks. I don't think Paul yeah. Stanley sings at all. He might just be on. <laughs> a, a couple of years, it's probably like three, four years ago. At this point, they were on. It was either uh, Jimmy Kimmel or maybe it was Craig Ferguson when he was still on air, or maybe it was even James Corden. They the band got introduced. They were playing Detroit Rock City. The music starts playing, and whoever the guitarist is, I think his name's Tommy, who plays Space Ace now. The riffs, yep, the riffs started playing, and he was maybe about a half second behind. As soon as that riff started playing, the audience heard he jumped and grabbed the pick and just started playing along. So that just proves like they're playing it with tape, like, and that's yeah. exactly what Molly Cruz doing these days. Yeah, that happened with Tommy Lee. He stopped playing the drums and jumped up, and the drums were still playing. Exactly. Then, right after that video, another video came out where they were counting down either Girls, 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 or Wild Side, and he was 25 feet away from the drums. The <laughs> drum parts started playing, and he fucking ran over like 100 miles an hour, sat down, didn't even grab his sticks yet. He was already waving his hands in the air to make it to like, oh, yeah, look, I'm actually playing, but that just proved the point. Like, he's not fucking playing anymore either. There's I, no way. I went to Crew Fest in 2009 with the boys, and um, the first band was Charm City Devils, which used to be SR71. Mm-hmm. I don't know which members are still the originals? Then it went uh, Drowning Pool, and I caught like the I caught bodies at the end because I got into a fist fight with Steve in the parking lot because I wanted to go in and he wanted to wait till Godsmack went on stage, mm-hmm. and um, we, I ended up winning the argument. Nobody won the fight because Jeff and Vinny got between us before we really <laughs> started going at it. But um, that's the thing, like you guys are going to a festival. The whole reason is to go see music. You don't want to wait till five or six bands already played. You want to get the whole fucking experience of seeing these bands live that you listen to all the time. Yes, exactly. So, so we ended up going in and um we caught the last song, last two drowning pool songs with uh, the guy who just went back. I forget what his name is. The guy from Soil. Mm-hmm. Soil work. I don't know. Anyway. Um, there of a dead man came on. I was booing. They could hear me booing because there wasn't enough people there watching them. And let me tell you, Theory of a Dead Man's fucking terrible live. Terrible, terrible, terrible. At least in 2009. Mm-hmm. I don't know about now. I mean, mm-hmm. they're 
that light, so they might still be terrible. Are any of their albums good? <clears throat> Dairy of a Dead Man? No, I can't say. I don't know. I've only no. Awful. They're, they're all produced by the lead singer of uh, Nickelback. Oh, Mr. Jack Kroger. I, I want to say, if he wasn't a greedy cunt, Nickelback could be good. They're all phenomenal musicians. Yeah. They really are. If if he didn't cater to the soccer mom crowd, mm-hmm. and they and they played like that first album that had um, "Hold Thy Hand" on it. You hear that song? The fucking heavy ass riff that comes in. Mm-hmm. They heavy songs like twenty years ago. If they if they didn't go down the photographs mm-hmm. road and keep playing that shit, the dentist office music, those guys can. Play I know it. It's funny. I heard a term the other day. There's, I was on. It was either Reddit or I got stuck in like a YouTube hole. They call it the Sugar Ray syndrome. The Sugar <laughs> Ray, the original band, even though they're all still together, their first album was actually like rock slash like punk rock, really good stuff. Then the next album, they got this producer who said, "Hey, let's do something like more poppy, like radio friendly," which was the song "Fly." Right. And they, they were supposedly like a lot like Limp Biscuit, from what I understand. They had the same. Yes, they, really, they really were. Yep. Then Fly blew up on the radio. Was Billboard top ten for like I think it was like thirty six weeks or thirty seven weeks, whatever it was. Then they came out with more songs, but it was their old sound. Nobody wanted to listen to after that. So now their career is just making or trying to attempt to make another Fly. They came out with uh, the song Someday. Same exact thing. Radio friendly, <laughs> poppy. I don't know. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. But now it's like they could only make music like that because they wanted to go in that direction. And it's... what's funny is like when I want to chill out and play my guitar, but I want to play along to a recording, I'll look up stuff like someday. Mm-hmm. Like and even um I actually learned how to play Animals Nickel by Nickelback because that's one of mm-hmm. my songs. And remember when we were talking about like performing at my wedding? Mm-hmm. Like I was like, I'm gonna learn this song after we do nothing else matters. Like, you can't. That, that song's about sex. You can't play that at a wedding. I'm like, who the fuck's gonna know? <laughs> yeah, who's gonna know? I so, think one of my favorite things about you and I playing music together was one of the first times I came into the the dungeon. There was just you and I. We just listened to a song, and I think the album from Three Day Three Days Grace came out. Animal, Animal I've become. Yep. And we sat down, and he, you're like, hey. I want you to play this. I'm like, can you play that riff? And we said, sure. And we both sat down and we banged out that entire song like it was nothing. Yeah, I miss doing that. I was thinking about it yesterday when I was listening to uh, 72 Seasons. Mm-hmm. I was, in my mind, I'm like, I can learn this. I can learn this. I can learn this. I mean, I can't. There's nothing I can't learn if I don't sit down. I mean, it's pretty obvious with any guitar mm-hmm. and a musician. There's nothing that we can't learn, nothing we can't do. It's just the time right now. Like, I don't exactly. That's the hardest part. You know, I have a, I, by the time I get home, it's like, okay, I got to walk the dog. Okay, that's 20 minutes of my life. I'll never get back. Now I want to go to the gym because I've started my gym routine back up. By the time I'm home from the gym, it's 6 o'clock. Now I want to eat dinner. Now it's like 7. Mm-hmm. Now, now I just got three hours, two, two, two hours, three hours before I go to bed. It's like, when am I going to pick up my guitar and just enjoy my little hobby? Yeah. No. And um, I don't know. But we were making fun of Nickelback for a minute. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. A little so, off track. Yeah, we went off well, a little. Well, you know. I, I wanted to ask, which Motley Crue album should we be listening to? The first one. Yes, totally agree. Um, what's the what's uh, Too Fast for Love is the first one? 
Too fast for uh, yes, yes. I have three that I want to go on. I got to Google the names of them because I just play Apple Music and I just I go uh, songs that I like. That like you another know. album uh, was when they just started getting big is called uh, Theater of Pain. Very That's good. Any album though. <laughs> yeah. That's bad. They hate it too. <laughs> um. Yeah. Too fast for love. Shout at the devil. Those two are. Those two are the best, I think. And then, um, mm-hmm. uh, what song? Girls, girls, girls. Cause I like girl. I like the song. Girls, girls, girls. But I don't know. They have a lot of what I call filler music. They do. They do. Yeah, Wild Side's good on there. I like Wild Side. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's about it. Just Wild Side, girls, girls, girls. There's nothing really too good on that album. Um, oh. <clears throat> well, we gotta let the people know. They know. <laughs> oh yeah. Doctor Feelgood was after they all got out of rehab. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doctor Feelgood's good. Kickstart my heart. Obviously, I like same old situation and sticky sweet. Those are good. Those are two good songs. Yep. And don't go away mad. I used to play when I broke up with a girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't go away to... mad. Just go away. Yeah, I used to send that to them and be like, "Hey, listen to this song." <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty smooth. Oh, geez. I used to fucking... I would destroy people. It turned into a game. I was such a piece of shit. But, um, yeah, so... Too Fast for Love. I like Livewire. I learned Livewire. Um, take me to Livewire is such a good song. Merry Go Round is good. Piece of mm-hmm. Your Action is good. Um, come on and dance. Too young, to, yeah, too young to Fall in Love. That's one of my favorites. That's not on there. That's one. It's one of the original songs. Oh, I'm looking. Well, I'm looking at the original original release. So hang on. There's a 1981 release, and am I not seeing it? Oh no, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, that was a track. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So I mean, they they've got mm-hmm. a handful. I think if you well, they do. They do album. Then the John Karabi one. That was good. The one when they kicked Vince Neil out. Kicked me. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think my favorite song off the album, of course, it's going to be the single about Hooligans Holiday. Just a different vibe, introducing him, introducing his different voices. I want to say. Definitely something to check out. I like the first two tracks, Power to the Music and Uncle Jack. They're heavy. Hooligans mm-hmm. Holiday was a bit poppy. And then the rest of it was kind of like, um, I want to say, ballads a little bit. Yep, yep. I think I think Karabi had a good voice. He could have done the old stuff and maybe pushed him in a new direction. And I think that's that's Tommy Lee. He chases the current sound. He's a, he's not exactly. exactly committed to anything. He just he follows the trends. Mm-hmm. But Fair I also statement. really liked Saints of Los Angeles, the last new album they put out. That was good. That was a that kind of brought them back to like the uh, late eighties, early nineties vibe with Molly Crew. Yeah, definitely like, a really like, good album. The guitar solo in Saints of Los Angeles itself. So, mm-hmm. oh, I agree. I agree. And uh, looks like um, DJ Ashba helped write a lot of these songs. You don't see he, he did. Yep. Well, you don't see um, the first six songs. There's no Mick Mars credits until Motherfucker of the Year, and then going on. But that whole album I thought was awesome. Oh, I agree. Yeah, a really good sound, really good tone throughout the whole album. Yeah, really White Trash stuff. Circus with um when they do the crew crew fest version of White Trash Circus, you can hear Sully from Godsmack cutting through the mix. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's because there was a feud with them on the Crew Fest tour. And what happened was um, Godsmack was the second to last opener. And Sully came out swinging. He fucking said it. He goes, we, we're going to kick ass tonight. This is, the, this is the rock and roll power hour. And they fucking destroyed it. And then Motley Crue came on. Well, what happened was they played whatever. Godsmack played whatever. And you know the Xfinity is just a, an amphitheater. Mm-hmm. I could see people standing up on their chairs looking back to the lawn. And there was the entire, the entire venue, if you weren't in an area with a seat, was a mosh pit. The concession stand area, the aisles, the whole place turned into a mosh pit. The kid in front of us ripped the chair out of the ground, threw it into the pit, and came back with the chair. And then Motley Crue came on, and they opened with, um, I think they did the whole Dr. Feelgood album right off the bat. Ah. And the two kids in front of me were yelling, play Hooligans Holiday. And I didn't understand what that meant until recently. <laughs> Those fuckers. I uh, see we've lost Joe and Matt. <laughs> ah. Sorry. Now on to the Metallica album. Ah, okay. Let's let's jump right into it. Yes, let's dive in. I believe First new album in about uh, six, seven years since uh, Hardwired to Self-Destruct. This mm-hmm. album is called 72 Seasons. It's uh, released on their own record label. They uh, released it on CD, actually cassette as well. The typical Apple Music, Spotify, and Metallica recently also bought their own vinyl plant, and they released it on vinyl as well. Yeah, they started. <laughs> Just fucking drops in out of nowhere. <laughs> no, it's pretty good actually. Um, so I was listening to it yesterday. I've been listening to it since Friday. I had to. Okay, yes, yeah, yep. Do you want to go track for track? What do you want to do? Um, yeah, because yesterday I was at the gym making notes. I was. I had to keep going back oh, though. You know, when you're my notepad you ready to go too. Got my phone. I didn't write it down. I was. Busy looking like I was texting. Okay, it's all right. Okay, so uh, first song off the album is actually called 72 Seasons, which is also the name of the album. Starts mm-hmm. off with this incredible hi-hat and bass line, and I just think it just sets the tone for the album. It just sets right off and just you hit the ground running with the first song. Yeah, the intro riff is cool. Um, going to say the whole album, the solos are kind of meh. I mean, Hammett is, what, 62 years old, 63 years old. I'm going to give him a pass on it. Mm-hmm. You know, McMars is 72 and still comes up with the original stuff. But okay, Kirk. <laughs> I guess on uh, when, when Hetfield was on Rogan, he said that uh, Hammett had had wrist surgery because he's got some arthritis issues or something. Really bad, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I can forgive that. You know, the guy's, the guy's paid his dues to inspiring the entire universe with his playing. So... Oh, absolutely. Metallica can just go shit in their hat. Mm-hmm. I yeah, agree with that. Cool. I like the the drums going into the pre-chorus. Those are, those are awesome. The, the slowed tom roll, like the yes. I don't know what you call that. You're a drummer. You tell me. No, you go with slow tom roll. What my favorite part about this song is too is from the opening. Then you got a little bridge. Then you got the pre-chorus and another bridge into the chorus and it fades away right back to another bridge is I love the tempo changes of the song. I love the lyrics. I just love the constant change and the riffage. It definitely sets the tone for the entire album. It's fast, there's slow parts and it just 
blows you right out of the water for the first single? I'm going to say, I usually understand what James is singing about, but 72 seasons, I must have replayed it four times. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I get what the concept is about. I know the whole album is about growing up. Yep, your first 18 years of your life, four seasons per year, 72. That's how you get that. Right. I'd probably have to look up the lyrics to really get it, though, because he was singing pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think it's a cool song. I like it. I, I enjoyed it. Absolutely. What's the next one? I just wrote down the numbers of the tracks. I didn't write down the names. Track two. Let me see. Shadows Follow. Shadows Follow. This is a very good song. Yeah, I like the way James, um, I guess you can say his cadence, speed at which he is singing. And the harmonies in the pre-chorus are sick. The the pre-choruses are really cool in this whole album. I love the way he goes into them. And um, I think the lyrics in this could almost be like a sequel to Of Wolf and Man. Because he mentions a wolf a lot. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. The low note harmonized guitar solos in that is really cool. You can definitely tell it's James playing those and not Hammett because they don't fucking meander and noodle around. There's a distinct difference in the way they play, very obviously. James is a lot tighter, a lot more focused, a lot more. He's He plays because he loves it and he needs it, whereas Hammett seems to kind of be going through the motions these days. Like He might love it too, but he's not as committed. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna leave you guys for a minute. I have to really pee. <laughs> Alrighty. Carry on. <laughs> so we'll pause the discussion of Metallica album then. Well, I I was always a Metallica fan straight from. Uh, I think the Load album was the first one I was basically of age to go in the store and buy. Yeah, that's but... actually the first album I've ever got by myself. I remember getting Birthday Money. Going down to uh, Newbury Comics when that was still this huge, huge actual music store. Yeah. And I ended up getting a uh, load on cassette, actually. Yeah. Same here. That was it. Like, that was the for almost the first one that I bought. Yeah. That was the age of when we could actually go and buy it. But I had an uncle that basically, um, he gave me the uh, Black Album. He, he mm-hmm. gave me the Black Album, and I listened to that. And I think actually I played that for Carlo, and that's how he heard from Metallica the first time. Oh, I didn't know that, huh? Yeah, my uncle, uh, wow. my uncle Mike, he gave me the Black album. I listened to that over and over and over again on cassette. And then um, I, I remember we had the little disc man, you know, the CD player. Yep. You know, they had, is that called the Walkman? Was that is it a Walkman? Is that what it was called? Walkman, Discman, something or other, you know. Mm-hmm. Remember they remember it's supposed to have the anti-skip feature. Oh yeah, <laughs> no matter which way you move it, all of a sudden you're like holding it like it's made of glass, and you're trying to listen to your music. And I listened, and and I think he gave me the Black Album again. He gave me a few more of the Metallica albums, and I remember I got Metallica Garage Inc. and I listened to that, and I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah, but yeah, the first concert I ever went to was Metallica at the old Tweeter Center in Mansfield. It was 1998. My brother took me. It was right after Reload came out. And the entire time we were there, my face was just like. Yeah, (laughs) I was in awe. Then that whole way home, 
my brother was like, oh, I know this song you heard tonight. You know this song. This is from this album. This is from that album. And this is back when they were just playing Black Album stuff, Load, Reload, a couple Garage Ink, ink things. Then the first three or four albums, what they used to do was they used to do these medleys. So they did this thing called the Kill Ride Justice Medley. It was songs off Kill Em All, Ride the Lightning, and Injustice for All. But they played like 45 seconds of like multiple songs. And I was just blown away. Then once I finally went home and my brother gave me the CD of like, oh, here's, they played Ride the Lightning. Here's the album Ride the Lightning. Listen to this. And ever since then, Metallica's been my favorite band of all time. Just completely, yeah. completely hooked. Joe got that me was... into Metallica. We would be in his basement. <clears throat> Joe would be lifting weights. I'd be destroying his Transformers and soldering them to other things. And I'm like, who's this? What's this? Because Joe, you got me into Metallica, Godsmack, Slipknot. Uh, uh, I think I got us into Marilyn Manson. You got me into Richard I, I still maintain that you got us into Godsmack. I do believe Metallica and Rage Against the Machine I introduced you to. I think we're even. Gonna give you and the Matrix 50-50 on Rage Against the Machine. Because at the end of the movie, when Neo flies up and they kick off with Wake Up, it's probably one of the greatest fucking endings of a movie ever. <laughs> you know, I remember, I remember when Nick and I went to CCD, we would be listening to Rage Against the Machine. On on like a on a headphones, and all of a sudden mm -hmm. you listen to that in the back, and it was completely contradictory of what we were there to listen to. <laughs> yep. And we just had the rage against the machine going. We're like, we gotta, we gotta keep this going. We gotta, we can't get poisoned by this shit they're saying here. It's fine. That's one of the <clears throat> things I'll never forget. Like anytime I drive past the church, or like in my hometown, go past like where we went to church or CCD. It's the first thing that pops in my head. Me and you sitting in the back of the class with those funky desks, raised against the machine in our headphones. Never forget yeah. that. I think on the album, I think on the, the album, we used to listen to "Ashes in the Fall." It was like started yes. out with that little guitar track. Yep, we listened to it about a hundred times. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> true. Where'd we leave off on the uh, track? Ah, uh, so we just uh, right now we're gonna start talking about the third track off the album, "Screaming Suicide," which was also released as a single. Yep. So I was listening to it, and um, the lead on that kind of has a. I, I when I was listening to it, it kind of gave me a social distortion kind of vibe before he started mm -hmm. play with the wah pedal. And uh, the spoken word bridge on that is sick. I love it. That whole yeah. song I can't complain. I really don't have again. I don't have any complaints for the whole album. It's just a solo. No. Kind of fucking silly. And and maybe, maybe some of the songs are a little too long. But that's okay. I listen yeah, to so it I over. I listen to it over and over again at work on Friday night. And probably listen to it about six or seven times. And I just kept keep going and it's just it feels like we have something, you know? That's just like, it feels exactly. like in addition, it's like, it's like now I have something else. It's like, I, I, it's just like, I'm so grateful for them coming out with another album. It's just more stuff for us to have. And mm -hmm. like when I was, me and my brother were talking about the album, he goes, how would you describe it? So I told him this album sounds like it's a live album. Like you can feel it. It's almost like, they all 
got together in like a garage and they just fucking hammered it out. It feels that you can feel the movement. You can feel like the groove of it. It also feels like this album came out between the black album and load. And they were trying to figure out what direction to go to in. And they settled upon fast, like the past, but kind of load reload in a way with lyrics uh, reminiscent of like the black album. It just kind of sets like that tone. That's for me anyway. Those, those, the black album, I think is when it started for Hetfield to start putting a bit of himself into his music. Yes. Failed my friend of misery unforgiven. Yep. Those that's when it started to get more introspective, I think. And that continued in load and reload with uh, mama said, and um, low man's lyric, I think was a little bit self. Yes. Yep. Of a self and unforgiven too. I think I got a little bit of the load vibe from this album, also. Absolutely, I I, I, I kind of felt like it. That. <laughs> Actually, that was number four. Uh, number four, number five on the album is "You Must Burn." Oh, that got yeah. me. That's when I kind of perked up and paid attention because I was at work, and I was um, walking around with my boss in the fire department for the bu- building we did because I did the fire alarm. Mm-hmm. And that's when I stopped paying attention to what the fire captain was saying. <laughs> I'm like, "Woo!" That's when I texted you. I was behind them all. I trailed. I'm like, "This fucking song is awesome." <laughs> Such a good song. And it's actually uh, the bassist Rob Trujillo's first vocal credit on an album. He's been part of. This is his third album. He's been in the band for 20 years now, and this is actually his first time his voice has been recorded on an album. But where? I still can't figure that out. Uh, so the middle part, the middle like group vocal, it's actually mm-hmm. him and James singing together. Oh, that sounds good. So I have some I yeah. have notes on this. Um, it's definitely got the load reload vibe. Um, kind of mm-hmm. reminds me of where the wild things are a little bit. That's my favorite song off the, uh, what's it called? Reload album. Really? Yeah. To each his own? <laughs> hey, no, it's good stuff. Listen to it. Listen to the lyrics. It's such a good song. I'll go to, back to it. And then there was a part where um, I kind of picked up Harvester of Sorrow. You know, when he's like anger and misery. Yes. There's some yes. part in this. And I, 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 had to, I had to type it up fast and I didn't want to rewind it because I was also stopped mid-set of um, my bench to sit up and do it. I hit my head on the bar. <laughs> um, yeah. The, the, then the lead into the solo after the spooky vocals is really cool. That whole thing before him, it just starts whittling away again with his Yep. I wrote, I wrote, he wanks away like a child. And the reason I call it mm-hmm. wank is because when I worked the guitar center and there wasn't a lot going on, I would grab a guitar and just stop playing. And they would call it wanking. And I got in trouble for that a lot. But I was 20 and it was retail. I mean, fuck you. It's commission based. I was making exactly. Yep. And I had to somehow sell $10,000 worth of guitar picks and strings in order to make my commission check. Get the fuck out of here. I was only <laughs> I got my drums, my half stack, my microphone. Yeah, those fucking stores really quick. They're full of a bunch of never was, never will be failures. And on the very rare, very rare chance, arrogant has-beens that fell so far from grace that they will never achieve anything more than a retail management job. Rant over. (laughs) Okay. Next song is Luxie Turner. Halfway playing through the album was the first thing they released. This song reminds me of an 80s vibe with uh, the opening riff, the double bass and the drums, James's lyric, nice and fast. 
it's pure adrenaline for me. I love it. Yeah. If this I'm song also, it kind of gives me like a fuel almost yeah. vibe. Yes. To get to get you going, I can see this as them opening the next set of the uh, the tour. The, nope. Them coming out and just banging this out live is they, definitely they going to be uh, a, a good time. They recently released single day tickets for the Gillette show next year. Mm -hmm. I want to get my hands on some. I think we should all go. We should go. I uh, end up when they first went, I end up getting the two day seats that Friday night and that Sunday night. Um, <laughs> huh? I can't do the two days. I need to, I can only do one. It's my wife's birthday weekend, so she wants to go and see. Ah. But you know, I need to do something she wants to do. <laughs> yeah, no, of course, yeah, of course. Fine, okay. Whatever she wants to do. She is the boss. We all got a boss, right? <laughs> okay, uh, number seven off the new album is Crown of Bob Wire. I think this song has a nice groove throughout, nice flow. Mm -hmm. Definitely has a reload load vibe. I dig it. I absolutely dig it. Yeah, I like the vocal harmonies on that one. I don't know what it is exactly about. Maybe James is talking about his depression. Almost feels like he's you know wearing the crown of barbed wire. Maybe he thinks he's Jesus in this song. <laughs> hey, you never know. All open to interpretation. Maybe that's he's got. He felt like he was being crucified, but he's got religious guilt. Well, yeah, because he um, his mother, his his family was what Christian Science, right? If like yeah, like, super like super into like, that. Like, yep. Like the kids that he went to school with, like they didn't believe in doctors or anything. So like he wanted to play football and his parents wouldn't let him go get a physical to sign off on the release. And he said this little girl mm -hmm. broke her arm and they, they didn't take her to a doctor, just kind of hung there. And they were like, Jesus will fix it. Yeah. yeah. The God that failed because his mother had cancer and they didn't bother to go to a doctor. She just, they just let her die. Exactly. Um, but the part after the solo on this song, it reminds me of King Nothing. Yeah. Kind of has that King Nothing, Where's Your Crown, King Nothing vibe. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's one of my favorite songs. That's Enter Sandman with a, just a slightly different change-up on the riff. That's the same mm -hmm. exact guitar, note for note, same fucking song. A lot of bad songs. And also one of the coolest videos they've ever done in King Nothing. Have you ever seen that video? Yes. I don't think I have. <laughs> Such a cool video. They're all in, I think they're in Moscow. I'm, I know they're in fact, they're in Russia for a fact. And it's probably like 10 below out. They all have these huge, huge fur coats on with black sunglasses in the dead of night. And they're just fucking banging away in the two. And such a good vibe. Hmm. Awesome. It's also like the uh, I Disappear video where they're on top of the fucking mountain playing. Yes. That's with Tom Cruise fucking hanging by his fingertips in the background. That's when I decided I was going to give up on the drums and stop playing guitar. When I saw Hetfield's Diamond Plate Explorer, I'm like, that's oh. what I want. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to do. I want to play the guitar on a mountain while Tom Cruise falls to his death. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of death, we're going to go to number eight, Chasing Light. Off the, the new album. Shortest Straw. Yes. I love how... Even before any music starts, he screams no more light, and you get that intro just like the shortest straw. Yep. Fast riff, cool drum padding, little uh, snare roll. Very, very good song all throughout. And then it, it goes back into that load reload era sound. And mm -hmm. 
there's some almost through the never or maybe holier than thou. I was thinking holier than thou, yep. And then the little bouncy kind of the bouncing um riff through the throughout the song. Mm-hmm. Did you ever watch Metalocalypse with us? I have, yes. That death metal y guitar they got going on and in, in, in mm-hmm. their um, the theme song. Like the Brent the way Brendan Small plays, it, I kind of get that yep. through, the, through the low note sequ- sequence. It's really cool. I like that. Yeah, it's a nice vibe to it. Yeah, I, I enjoy that. And then they're coming yeah. back. Yeah, I saw that and with a movie too. It's funny. Brendan Small went to Berkeley College in Boston to major in music, and he's he wanted to be a, start a death metal band. And by the time he graduated, death metal wasn't as popular at the time, so he went into animation. Thought that was a little cool bit of information. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I kind we of should talk about that in the future. Yeah, I I bought their songbook, but I couldn't play a death metal song. I couldn't play a death clock song to save my life. <laughs> I mean, I again, if I sit there and I have the time, maybe I can get through it. But I stopped doing track by track because by the time I got to uh, number nine, I was finished up at the gym and I had to drive home. So, yep, uh, number nine is uh, "If Darkness Had a Son," the third single they released. Um, different style type intro, just, uh, just a snare and the uh, bass drum. Then you got uh, James and Rob and Kirk all playing the simple yet I call it the hardwiredy riff yeah. in the beginning a little bit. Uh, different type of um, vibe in this one. Kind of what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of grungy. Post- Yes, grungy. There we go. I just think it's um, I think the chorus is a bit long. You know, I I, I get the idea, but I think the I don't know. This one doesn't do anything for me. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't okay, so I thought the exact same way. Like I was like, okay, I could take her to leave this one, but they performed this live on Jimmy Kimmel Thursday night. Yeah, that was awesome. Sounds completely different live. It's faster yeah. live. It's more heavier live. It's short in live. Yeah. And I think hearing this one live will change my opinion again on this this song. Then we have Too Far Gone, which to me Too... sounds This like... one caught me off guard. Yeah. It sounds like um garage the garage inc when they do the Merciful Fate medley. Ah Merciful Fate and Sabra Cadabra. Perfect, perfect analogy. Yep. It's got those that I don't know what year those songs originally came out, because that's a covers album, so I don't know when that came out, but yeah. It has that it's different. It's different enough that it's maybe even escape off ride the lightning. Ah, okay. Okay. And and James hates that song, but that's, he does. Uh, they, they haven't played it live. They never do. Uh, they did it once. Once. Yeah. And what was that? <laughs> that long ago? But that was definitely a big change, but I like it. it it's got, like I said, it's got that merciful yeah. fate and, mm-hmm. and then room of mirrors is awesome. Dude, this this one and another song we're talking about next is my favorite off the album. Yeah. And the reason why is the last two minutes of this song is some of the best music I think they've ever done. The best musicianing. <laughs> yes. Like I like for example, like when I was talking to my brother about this song, he goes, "How would you describe Roman Veras?" I'm like, "Definitely load, reload vibe. Very good music throughout." Chorus is phenomenal. Bridges are great. Riff is amazing. But the last two minutes of this song, it's almost as if James and Lars said, hey, Dragon Force, 
hold my beer. Watch this. The, the dual solo. Yeah, the dual solos, the double bass, just the the changes of it is. I think it's phenomenal. It's such a good song. Yeah, I love it. It's one of my favorites. Did you see the video for it? It's it's what's the? It reminds me of uh, what's that show we were just talking about? Metalocalypse. But it also yes. reminds me of the animation in Guitar Hero Metallica. Yes. Because it's funny, they used like the 2008 versions of the guys because James got the faux hawk with the, with the goatee. Yep, uh, Kirk Hessel has the dark hair, Lars has hair, and even Rob, when he first joined the band, he was jacked, and he's fucking jacked in this video. It's so funny. Yeah, they, they, they threw it back about 15 years. <laughs> yep. And then, then uh, in, in Amorata, the last song is the longest song Metallica has ever done, clocking in at almost 12 minutes long. It's 11 and change. But it's such a good song. It is so yes. good. Yes, so the I way I describe this good. song, I can describe it as if Fixer mm-hmm. and Outlaw Torn had a baby, it would be this song. Oh, I love those two songs too. Who's texting? Just the whole the tempo of the song, the riffage, the solo, the dual solos, the double bass. This song is. I think tops off the album. You couldn't top off the album better way than with this song right there. I agree. I can't remember which song it is, but you hear little double bass triplets snuck into it, and I'm sitting there going, there's no way Lars did that. <laughs> I think so they- in studio, so in studio, I think he does it and everything, but live, he won't be doing that live. Well, he, they, there's, um, there's a video from the making of uh, Guitar Hero Metallica where he did the drums for one of the justice songs and when he was done he fell over (laughs) yeah so all in all i would say (coughs) album and i'm sorry for being graphic takes a big steamy mexican food shit on godsmack 100 percent 100 100 fucking percent proceeds to piss on it with a asparagus coffee scented pee to assert dominance if metallica mm-hmm. went out today and said this is our last album no more perfect album yeah 100 agree because i feel cheated by godsmack i feel fucking these guys they are 10 years younger than this band and they they dropped up yeah heard so to put it like into perspective like what i would say about it is this album out of five stars i would say 4.5 easily yeah then yep. Then you compare it to fucking the Godsmack album, which seems Negative. every song sounds the same. It's phoned in, lyrics are shitty. Yep. There's nothing new guitar wise or bass wise. Godsmack's album is, I wouldn't even give it a star, to be honest with you. I hate to fucking say because I love Godsmack, but hmm. I wouldn't even give it a star, to be honest with you. No, you can't. Why, why listen to that album when you have this? Exactly. Right. Exactly. Why, why why listen to anything Godsmack did after 2006 when you have the first four? <laughs> True. True. You know? So, well, well done, Metallica. Absolutely, 100%. It's like they fucking knew what they wanted to do. They fucking got input from the entire band and just knocked it out of the fucking park. Well, didn't James say that he wanted to just stop it? He didn't want it to be him and Lars anymore. He wanted the whole Yeah, band. he said uh, in the show what interview that he he's tired of sitting down in a room with Lars and saying, all right, Rob, we need you to play this. Kirk, all right, 
that's your idea. Cool. Got it. Good. Guess what? You're playing this. So now they're sitting together and saying, what's your idea for this song? What's your idea for that song? And he pointed out in a Murata where it's a collaboration of everyone's ideas of what can fit the mold in this song, even though it's 12 minutes long, it hit the nail on the fucking head. Lyrics wise, fucking music wise, arrangement of the song. Every song in this album, you can tell it's a collaborative effort of all four of those guys sitting in the room, banging it out and saying, hey, this is what we have to offer. And they just fucking knock it out of the park. Right. And that was perfect. Absolutely perfect. Yeah. So we're over an hour. Um, I There was more stuff I wanted to talk about, but we can do that another time. The next yep. episode is going to be the Sunday before Cinco de Mayo. Maybe we'll get some tequila and uh, talk about that. Maybe if there's good weather, we can all bang this episode outside and check it out that yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. I'll bring an acoustic guitar and a sombrero. I'll play some mariachi stuff. Yeah, sure. And I'll bring my maracas. Joe, what are you going to bring? Uh, uh, maybe some whiskey. <laughs> all right. Mexican whiskey? <laughs> yeah. I don't have any tequila, so we'll have to improvise. I um I liked that Casamigos that I had one time. It was very smoky. But, uh, you know, we, we covered some ground today. I wanted to get into, like, <coughs> great, I'm choking up one drink. Um, wanted to get into talking about working out my seasonal depression. You know, I think it affects us all. Uh, wanted to mm-hmm. go with bullying kind of helps. <laughs> we can do that another time. <laughs> yeah, we can save that for the next episode. Yeah. I think if we all... I think for if we all sit outside together or something, even sitting inside, then uh, when we do that episode, I think we'll be able to discuss a lot more because we'll all be able to vibe off each other in person. I think it'd be a pretty cool feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. There's there's a lot that I want that I put down in my notes to like try to hit today, but we we did it's a lot more of the rocks than the whiskey today, but that's you know fine with me. Yeah, uh, I love it. Absolutely yeah. love it. All right, so the next episode will be the Sunday before Cinco de Mayo. We'll try to uh, get some history there. Maybe there's a Mexican guy with a woman's name, like John Wayne's got Marion. <laughs> yeah. All right, so people are listening. Check us out on Twitter at, uh, what is it, Nick? At Whiskey Rocks Pod. Thank you. And the Instagram seems to be blowing up faster than the Twitter. Um, that's the Whiskey Rocks Podcast. There's an underscore between each word. Uh, Joe and I were playing on twitch we've kind of stopped doing that last night we should have been rolling it because we were doing pretty good <laughs> yeah um what else do we have any other social media no that's it right twitter and instagram no. and if you have any questions whiskey rocks podcast at gmail.com anything you want us to try whiskey beer tequila um light a fart on fire whatever i don't care <laughs> thank you <laughs>